Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. The elements are a metaphor, a simple organizational system to help us understand business and ourselves as business owners. And they are the components of nature, the roots of magic, and the building blocks of life. We all have some aspects of life and business where we thrive and others that are more challenging. By looking at these things elementally, we remove shame and judgment and can discern which elements would help us bring ourselves into balance. Earth, root chakra, Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo. Earth rules the parts of business that keep us safe and secure as we do our soul work. Sustainability, finances, contracts, systems, our core values, and clarity about exactly what our medicine is and how we fit into the ecosystem are governed by Earth element. Air, heart and third eye chakra, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Air rules our big vision, our ultimate picture of success. It's where we connect our medicine to a mission and decide what kind of impact we want to create during our time on this planet. Water. Sacral Chakra, Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. This is the realm of our emotions, and business is emotional. How we feel about people, ourselves, visibility, uncertainty, how we handle stress and disappointment, all of this and more affects how you navigate your business. Water Element is where we learn to resource ourselves and expand our capacity to hold the big feelings that come with doing our work in the world. Fire. Solar plexus chakra, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius. Fire is where we take our gifts, our uniqueness, and our creations, and we blaze them out into the world. All things selling, marketing, and the day-to-day actions of running our business are ruled by fire. Too much fire and we burn out. Not enough and our business never makes it off the ground. And spirit, crown chakra. Every good gardener knows the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Spirit rules the faith required to keep tending your business long before you've seen a single sprout of evidence that it's growing. No matter what you believe in, spirit element is what you travel through after you leap and before you land. Life thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you, and so will your business. To find out your dominant element, take our quiz at intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash quiz. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. If you are new around here, welcome here for the first time. So glad you're here with us. Hope you like it. Hope you hang out. Hope you keep coming back for more and more and more. If you uh, are returning, thanks for coming back. It means a lot to me to... um, be all up in your ear holes it's really special this relationship that we have you let me be in your ear it's nice I like it do you like it ASMR sorry this is gross I don't know what's happening it's Friday night I don't usually (laughs) record on Fridays I don't usually work on Fridays so I might be silly um but here we are Um, So let me set the scene for you, my loves. It is Friday night. It's six o'clock. Daylight savings time has befallen us. Is that the word we're going to use? I feel like that's appropriate. Uh, I don't know how much daylight we need to save. It feels like all of it is dark as hell. It feels like midnight, at least 10 o'clock. But it's very early in the evening. And, uh, you know, 
I washed my hair today and I took the day off work and I've had some coffee and I went to the movies uh, and I cleaned my house and the washing machine is running. I don't know if you can hear it on here, but if you hear a little gentle hum, that's the sound of domestic goddessness happening in the background. Um, and uh, I just have been talking to myself as I putter around my house this evening. And there's a conversation that keeps coming up in my mind and has come up even with a couple clients over the past couple weeks. And I was like, you know what? Just whip out the old lappy toppy and record the damn conversation to thousands of strangers. Why not? And here we are. Now you're all caught up. Now you're up to speed on how this all came to be. Uh, I hope you, wherever you are, are cozy and well. And um, my biggest hope for you is that you live somewhere with no daylight savings time. I hope that it's sunny until 9 p.m. every day where you are. That's my wish for you. Unless you don't like that, in which case I hope you live in Alaska in a log cabin. <laughs> I told you tonight was going to be silly. Okay, we're going to try to be on track. Here we go. So... I'm going to try to articulate these thoughts about personal growth, personal development, self-care, and how sometimes taking care of yourself doesn't feel good while you're doing it, and that sometimes that's correct. And... I want to start by saying there's so much nuance here that I almost hesitate to like say these things. Um, but this is the thing about uh, self-help, right? You got to know yourself to know whether or not this shit's going to help. So you can't skip the introspection part. And if it doesn't apply to you, let it go. But um, hear me out first and then maybe sit with it. This is what I would tell you to do if we were working together. Hear me out, sit with it, journal on it, do the introspection, ask yourself some questions about it, really let it marinate in your system and see if it applies to you or if there are parts of it that you would like to take with you before you just decide that I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> and dismiss it. If after meditating on it, you decide it is not for you, please feel free to ignore me, but let's just, let's just go on this ride together. I'm going to start by telling you a little story that maybe feels like it's not related, but I promise you it is. Um, I am a certified Pilates instructor. You might not know that about me. Uh, for those of you who have been around for a while, you might know that I'm a dancer and a choreographer. And when you teach dance, it makes a lot of sense to get certified in a lot of other things that take care of your body because you are more employable at gyms and dance studios if you can teach lots of stuff. Um, also, uh, there was a joke in my Pilates teacher training that if you scratch a Pilates teacher, there's an injured dancer underneath. Uh, most of us came to Pilates from being dancers or yogis who were hypermobile and needed to build strength in our joints around our mobility. So I'm a Pilates instructor. And for many, many years, I taught Pilates um, all over the place, all age groups, and uh, I find it very valuable. This is not going to be an episode about Pilates, but in a second, this might make sense, so just hear me out. When you're teaching group fitness, just like when you're doing personal development work and talking to large groups of people who are, come from all different walks of life, you're giving people physical cues that are supposed to help them execute movements. But physical cues um, actually do need to be kind of 
specific sometimes. And so in Pilates, there's a really standard cue about like knitting your ribs together or dropping your ribs or pressing your ribs back. However, um, Pilates is an exercise system that's about correcting postural imbalances and really about the health of the back and the spine. And so my favorite place to teach Pilates was actually in colleges because I would have people for a full semester and I would start teaching Pilates always with postural assessment. I would teach people how to assess their own posture and how to assess each other's posture to understand what a postural neutral was and to understand that there would be certain cues that would be appropriate for their body and other cues that would not. So for instance, if your habit is always to stand with your back slightly arched and your ribs forward and popped open with your uh, chest kind of over your toes and your booty back like I do, (laughs) Um, then the cue to close your ribs and knit your ribs together is very valuable and helpful to bring your posture back to neutral. However, If you are, say for instance, kind of a longer, lankier person, somebody with a long torso, maybe someone who got busty when you were very young or someone who kind of shot up and got really tall when you were very young and your postural habit is actually to carry your rib cage uh, rounded and slightly behind your pelvis, having your ribs dropped and knitted together is your default. And for you, pressing your ribs forward and opening them up a little bit is actually what would bring you into postural neutral. So if you walk into a group class and the teacher is telling everyone to press their ribs down, for some of the class, that's a really helpful cue. And for others in the class, it's not. And there's nuance, right? Like you have to know your body well enough to be in a group class and be able to know that cue doesn't apply to me or that cue is really helpful for me. And one of the challenges, I think, in group work is that not every teacher or facilitator is great at holding the complexity of working with a group and encouraging the people in their group to figure out what's true for them and supports the group in figuring out or individuals within the group and figuring out what works for them and how to discern that in real time or ask questions when they're not sure. I always tell my dancers, I'm not interested in teaching you how to dance like me. I really am interested in helping you dance like the most efficient, safe, and expressive version of yourself. And that's a much harder way to teach. It means I need to be so aware of technique and posture and mechanics and how different bodies need different tools in order to execute the same, essentially the same movement or to get to the same outcome. And that's why a lot of teachers don't work that way. It takes a lot of training and a lot of skill to be able to do that. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but like toot toot, I know what my superpowers are. I'm a good teacher. And one of the reasons that I'm a good teacher is because I'm never going in looking to make everyone memorize and replicate a system. I am always interested in helping people figure out and express what works for them. So this was a very long setup for me to say, always when you're doing personal development work, personal growth work, group training, group coaching, group programs, courses, 
don't outsource the authority of what's going to work best for you. Go in always looking for the balance between self-knowledge, self-analysis, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what's best for your body, your system, and knowing how to adjust things to yourself, right? I think that that's really important. And now here's where this gets, (laughs) uh, the caveats get caveats and this all gets applied to tonight's conversation. Um, I can be a tough customer (laughs) for personal development and for mentorship and for coaching and for therapy because of how much personal development work I do because of how deeply I feel like I know myself, how intimate I am with myself, how much I feel like I know, quote unquote know, which is always dangerous, have a pretty good idea of what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And sometimes it can make me um, defensive, (laughs) resistant, argumentative, (laughs) right? So there's that. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that and how the farther we go in anything, sometimes like, you know, we can get a little bit uh, smarty pants, a little bit know-it-all, a little bit actually uh, with people, even when we're seeking help. And that, uh, you know, sometimes we can make it hard for ourselves. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. The thing I want to say is I, I was going to say as I start this conversation that I'm 15 minutes into, you know what I'm saying, Um, is that if you are the kind of person who tends to coddle yourself, who tends to err on the side of being self-indulgent, who tends to... Mm, say that you're using hashtag self-care but deep down you know you're actually kind of in procrastination or avoidance you know who you are (laughs) um then the thing that i'm going to be talking about tonight is probably going to be really helpful for you if you are the kind of person who defaults to pushing yourself past your comfort levels overriding your inner knowing, focusing a lot on what you think you should do or you're supposed to do, um, you know, not really taking enough care or slowing down enough to pay attention to your inner signals, your body, your heart, then some of this won't apply to you. Um, And I'm going to just say, you know, know your own posture here. Know if you need to expand more or contract more. And, you know, take the things that I'm saying and filter them through the lens of knowing yourself. Um, And if you're not sure, let's work together privately. You know what I mean? Like, don't take my advice from a podcast. If you're not sure, book a call with me and I'll talk to you about it. We can work it out together. Um, (laughs) We can do a lot more work one-on-one. We can get much more specific. So now I'm going to just get into broad stroke generalizations. There's my 15 minutes of caveats before I get into broad stroke generalizations. Um, Because nuance is important. I don't ever want anyone to try to sue me because I gave generalized advice, all right? 
We're all just trying to cover our ass out here. It's a litigious society. Um, <laughs> Y'all, I'm goofy. Um, okay, so something that I see in the woo, spiritual, personal development world is sometimes too much emphasis on how things feel while you're doing them. That things need to feel good while you're doing them. That if it doesn't feel good, it might not be wrong, uh, right for you. And I get where this is coming from. I think in some ways it is an overcorrection from a lifetime of, you know, sitting in your desk and being good and being quiet and only playing at recess and, um, you know, doing what you're told and only eating at lunchtime and dinner time and not eating, you know, in between, even if you're hungry and, you know, all these things, all these ways that we get socialized out of listening to our true nature and shifting into a model of like, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it makes a lot of sense in some ways. And if y'all have been around, you know that pleasure is actually my North Star. I really try to build my entire life around following what feels good and believing that it is entirely possible to create a very, you know, quote unquote, successful business and um, financial security and abundance doing pretty much only what feels good to you to do. I really do believe that. Um, And but also, there are times, especially when it comes to growth or self-care, that the doing of the thing that is best for you doesn't feel great. And this can be for a lot of reasons, right? I, as a neurodivergent baddie, uh, I don't know if some of it for me is like, uh, what is it called? Pathological demand avoidance. Um, but there are a lot of things that no matter how much I know I enjoy doing them, uh, and I know that I will feel better after I do them, getting myself to do them is very, very challenging. Uh, if you have struggled with depression, then you know that like the basic self-care things that uh, keep your life afloat can feel very, very not fun to do, even though they may make you feel a little bit better after you do them. And even though like they just, they don't need to feel good to do them. You just kind of need to do them sometimes. Like you, you shower and brush your teeth and like, you know, change your clothes and feed yourself. I think that it's important to note sometimes that like it might not feel good to do those things in the moment. And depending on where you're at, it might not even make you feel immediately better to do them. And it's okay to do them anyway. Um, but I think sometimes this emphasis on like if it doesn't feel good don't do it It should feel good in the moment or it should feel like something right you should feel a benefit you should feel like you're getting a result we see this on instagram right these people who are posting these curated feeds of like 
you know, matcha fucking smoothies and chia seed pudding bowls and perfectly curated workout outfits and like the messy bun that somehow looks like money and, um, you know, the, the hot girl walks and whatnot. Like a lot of times y'all, I look like a fucking toe doing my morning routine. It's not cute. And somehow when I wear workout clothes and a messy bun, I don't look like money. I look messy and (laughs) I, um, don't eat breakfast a lot of the time. And I don't even care about eating breakfast food for breakfast. And sometimes my first meal of the day is, you know, a salad at one o'clock and it's not because I'm fancy. It's because I buy pre-made salads because I'll eat them because I don't have to do anything, right? Like it just doesn't always look pretty. And I also don't always love doing it. However, I know that it's kind of like flossing. (laughs) It's kind of like transferring money into my retirement account. Like, it's not the sexiest, funnest thing in the doing. It is something that pays off later. It is something for future me. And that idea actually has helped me a lot. And maybe I'll talk about that tonight, though I wasn't planning to. The idea of cultivating a relationship between your past, present, and future selves that's really loving. There are things that I do in the present that present me rallies and does as an act of service, love language-wise, for future me. And knowing that it's going to make future me have an easier day uh, or an easier time or a better dentist visit uh, is is motivation enough. Like, I don't want to do it, but I want future me to have that really good day. And then when future me has that day, I get to look back on past me and be like, oh, past me, you were rad. Thank you so much for doing that. I love that you flossed so much because, uh, you know, now my little praise kink gets to be validated at the dentist where she tells me that my gums are so beautiful and I'm doing such a good job. Um, Like, I really don't like flossing, but I really like it when my dentist tells me she can tell that I'm doing a good job with my oral hygiene and, like, that praise will keep me doing the thing that I don't want to do. You know, when, when, when I get to look at my retirement account and be like, ooh, I actually, like, things are stacking. Things are happening in here past me. You've really been doing it. You've really been helping me out. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. So cultivating that like fun, magical time travel relationship between your past, present, and future selves uh, as an act of service, that can be very motivating for those of us who don't always like the doing of the thing in the moment. Um, If that's helpful for you, take it. I hope you enjoy that one. But yeah, sometimes it doesn't feel good. But I know that afterwards, I will feel better. I don't always want to go for a walk in the morning. But I don't negotiate with myself about it most of the time. I get up and I start making my coffee and there are days that my brain just starts negotiating. And she's like, well, maybe we don't have to go today. I didn't get that much sleep. I'm kind of tired. Is it cold? What if we just make the coffee and sit on the couch? What if we don't have to go? And as I'm negotiating with myself, I am making the coffee, pouring it in a travel mug. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm getting dressed. I'm putting my shoes on. And the entire time my brain is like, well, what if we, okay, I guess like we just put sunscreen on. So I guess we have to go outside now. But like, what if we just like 
only walk around the block and we don't do the whole walk. As that's happening, I'm walking out the door. And my brain is like, well, what if, you know, what if we only do um, half of the walk? And I just let my brain rattle off. It's maybe we don't have to do this today, negotiations. And then usually what happens is about halfway through the walk, like the endorphins kick in and I'm like, oh, I'm breathing fresh air and I'm starting to sweat a little bit and I feel good and the air feels nice and I'm seeing my neighbor's cute pets and I'm seeing the cute houses in my neighborhood and like, oh yeah, like the sun does feel kind of nice, I guess. I actually do like this. Okay, this is good. I'm really glad I came. And then I go home and I'm like, you know, like stretch and change my clothes. And I'm like, oh, that was actually really lovely. I'm so glad I went for a walk. And then I feel like, you know, I started my day on a good note. But almost every day I try to talk myself out of doing it. And almost every day it feels like a slog to do it. I never necessarily feel intrinsically motivated. And I've been doing the same morning routine for years and years and years. I've just stopped listening most of the time to the part of my brain that tries to talk me out of doing it. Now, again, back to the nuance thing. I don't do it if I'm sick. I don't do it if it's raining. I don't do it if I'm genuinely exhausted. There are some days that I'll stay home. There are some days that I do something else. But one of the things that I know about myself is that a lot of the time, the part of myself that's trying to negotiate out of doing it I don't know I don't know if it just wants to be heard I don't I don't know what it is but like it doesn't need to be listened to it's not correct she's just avoiding she just don't want to and and it's okay to not want to but I also know that I will feel better most of the time for having done it same thing with lifting weights I love lifting weights and also three days a week try to talk myself out of doing it I'm just like I just don't want to what if we do it later that's always the trick man if I tell myself I'm doing it tonight it's not getting done I have to do it in the morning because I will come up with a million and one reasons not to do it if it's dark outside but I try to talk myself out of it and I drag myself through my warm-up and midway through there's usually a point where it starts to be fun But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes I complain in my head through the entire damn thing. Later, maybe I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm glad I got it done. But that's not why I do it. I do it, A, because I know that most of the time the brain chemistry things happening when I do it are good. They are a net positive. I know that continuing to do these practices over time is how I have stayed out of depression for a long, long time. I know that when I cease doing these basic things um, for the mammal part of myself, when I cease putting the mammal part of me through her paces, uh, that things don't work as well. Uh, in my mental and emotional health, in my day-to-day life, these practices hold my heart, right? They, they help me be able to do the things that I enjoy doing. They help me be healthy for my work. 
They help me be healthy for my relationships. They help me be healthy for myself. You know, I do a lot of these things because I want to be able to dance forever, because I want to be able to get up and down from the floor as somebody who lives alone if I fall down, right? Like these are simple, basic things. I want my knees to work for a long time. I want my back to be healthy in my old age, right? Like I want my bone density to be good. Like these are, I just do the things because I know they are a net positive, but they don't always feel good in the doing of them. And I don't always want to. And I know that I don't have to. And I know that these perfectly curated feeds of, you know, self-care looking like it feels glorious all the time. Maybe they're real for some people. And if that is like real for you and that's like your favorite thing, then that's cool. I love that for you. Um, but it might not be real and they can make us confused and they can make us think, well, when I'm doing that stuff, I don't feel like that. It doesn't feel good to me. So maybe that's not for me. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I haven't found my thing yet. And like, sure, maybe you haven't, right? Like movement wise, I am a big proponent of like keep trying movement things until you find one that is fun. But like (laughs) dancing is my favorite thing on earth to the point that it nearly makes me tear up just to say it out loud. And I still will try to talk myself out of going to dance class every single time I'm going to go. The part of me that wants to stay on the couch is almost always stronger. (laughs) And so I have just learned to not listen to that part of me when I know she's on that bullshit, right? Not when it's true. Like my body knows when it's rest time. There we go. There's the distinction. For me, my body knows when it's rest time. My body knows when it's stay home time. My body knows when it's lay off the work time. My body knows when it's integration time. My brain just be trying to talk me out of shit. (laughs) She's not helpful all the time. She's not helpful a lot of the time. She's just be talking. And I consider that voice to be like, I don't, I don't work in an office, uh, but I have, and I've also watched, you know, a lot of TV shows where people work in offices, just the archetypal character of like the, the person on your team who always complains in a brainstorm and says everything won't work and everything's a bad idea. Like I have one of those who lives in my brain and she tries to talk me out of like pretty much everything all the time. And I've just learned to like allow her to be present and just to know that like sometimes she just needs to voice her concerns. She needs to be heard, but like she doesn't actually, she's not the boss. Like she doesn't lead the team. Um, The let's just try it and see what happens person leads the team most days. I think it's really important to know (laughs) that like, the practices don't always have to feel good while you're doing them in order to do them. And that the real deep self-care shit, like the real, real deep stuff, having uncomfortable conversations, setting boundaries, 
quitting jobs, leaving relationships, a lot of those things feel like straight garbage to do. A lot of them feel terrible, especially if you have a history of people pleasing or codependency. Oh God, like the idea that I have to set a boundary. Oh, let me just stay in this relationship hurting myself until I die. Don't make me tell this person that I don't like something, please. Like I will move to another country. Do not make me leave this friendship, right? Like I have to adult myself through a lot of things that do not feel good in the doing of them, but I know that they are the thing that is best for me long-term. Also, when we're talking about like self-parenting, sometimes parenting is dragging your toddler, kicking and screaming away from the park because they don't understand that like it's getting cold and dark and it's time to go home for dinner and they hate it. And you know they hate it. And you also know that in a very short period of time, they will be home and they will be bathed and they will be cozy and they will be eating dinner and they will not remember the tantrum. The parts of me that want to toddler the fuck out and like lay down on the floor of the grocery store and scream and cry and kick my feet and say no, sometimes need to be dragged by my inner parent out of the relationship, out of the dating interaction, out of the business situation. And that's what that moment of self-parenting is, is like saying, you can't play with that kid. You can't keep doing this thing. You can't, I know that you want to do this thing, but it's dangerous. And I know that you don't understand why in the moment and you're going to have a fit, but this is what we need to do right now the higher part of myself that is here to look out for my highest good, that's here to make sure that I survive, uh, has to say no. And I have friends who are parents. I'm not a a parent of a human, um, but I have friends who are parents and I watch how hard it is for them to endure their child being so upset because they don't understand what's happening and they don't have the language to express their displeasure um, you know, and they're just like, Hey, I know, buddy, I know, I know this sucks. I know it's hard. I know you don't get this, but this is my job as your parent. And it's so heart wrenching to watch your child be upset because they can't have the thing they want. And you don't really know how to explain to them why sometimes that's what self-parenting ourselves is. is just being like, hey, my inner child, my inner toddler, my inner teenager does not get to be in charge of this situation because they don't fully understand what's happening. I do have an inner parent. I do have a higher self. I do have guides. I do have spirits working with me. I do have other parts of me who do know what's best for me. And I get to call them online and have them take over in this moment, even if part of me is going to pout about it or kick and scream or say, I hate this. I want to do what I want to do. I think it's really crucial to know when we need to let the part of us that is available to act and advocate for our ultimate well-being and our highest good to be in charge 
Now, the example of setting boundaries or leaving relationships, we all know that shit's hard. But you know what else is hard sometimes? Staying in relationships, showing up to connection, showing up to intimacy when you would rather run, right? Here's on that uh, self-awareness tip. If you lean toward staying when you should go, know that about yourself. But if you lean toward going when you should stay, pay attention to that too. Because sometimes the scary thing is to stay in connection and allow yourself to be open, to allow yourself to be in connection and community and vulnerability with another human being. And in those moments, your inner young person might be saying, run, right? Let's get out of here. This is going to be hard. Let's just be angry at that person or let's just say it's not working and be out when really what's needed is a conversation, when really what's needed is to acknowledge fear, when really what's needed is to open your heart and sit your ass down and say, let's have the tough conversation and let's stay. And everything in you might be saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I don't want to. This doesn't feel good. I want to go back to being by myself where I know how to do everything and I can control everything and I know what to expect. I don't want to be in this vulnerable position. I don't want to take this risk, right? Maybe it's business. Maybe it's an audition, right? Maybe it's moving to a new city. There might be a part of you that's like, no, don't do it. Don't take the risk. Don't put yourself out there. Don't open yourself up. And having that other part of you that knows better and that says, we're doing this, we're, st- we're, we're going the distance here, that might not feel good in the doing of it. It might feel terrifying. It might feel like the antithesis of everything you really want to do. But if part of you knows that it's where the growth is, where the healing will happen, where the expansion lives, and that's what you want, then you got to do the thing that doesn't feel great in the moment. Because ultimately, that's the thing about growth, right? That's why they're called growing pains. Like most growth doesn't feel good. Your bones fucking getting longer inside your body, that shit doesn't feel good. Teething, like your actual weird mouth bones that live inside your skull that push out through your gums I don't know teeth are gross don't ever if you don't if you are prone to nightmares don't look up uh x-rays of baby skulls did you know all the teeth you're ever going to have are inside your head when you're born terrifying stuff of nightmares anyway that doesn't feel good babies scream and cry when those bones are pushing through the skin it's terrible most growth feels awful (laughs) It feels good later. And like, there's all kinds of mechanisms inside us that make us forget the pain of the growing. I don't remember now what it felt like when my femurs were getting longer. But I remember what it felt like the last time I had to set a boundary, right? I don't know. After a little while, it hurts less, and then it hurts less, and then it hurts less. And then you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was a situation that I got through. And you don't remember the pain of it. You just remember what happened. Looking for growth to always feel good can sometimes keep us from doing what needs to be done to get us the results that we're seeking. 
I was saying earlier that I'm kind of a tough customer and there were a couple times this week where I had mentors that I was working with who fucking spanked me. Not literally, though I wish that I had those kind of mentors. Um, <laughs> I do not uh, in the moment have that kind of mentorship in my life, unfortunately. Uh, but metaphorically, metaphysically, spiritually, emotionally, spanked, corrected. And that's what I pay for. I love that about mentorship. I was talking to a friend uh, and client today, Des Davis. She was recently on the podcast about how we both love, like, feel loved by that kind of tough mentorship. And Des grew up playing sports, and I grew up in dance. And um, those are both areas where you get tough love from your mentors, where you get yelled at, where you get called out, where you get like some tough stuff, and where you don't get a lot of praise unless you really earn it. And so there, there's why I have a praise kink right there. Um, but also like that's, um, it's a type of coaching that works really well for me. And, um, I had a session uh, on the podcast. You'll hear it soon, uh, with Shiraz Babu, who was doing his energetic magic technique with me. And he was asking me questions about my business and, you know, like, would you rather have this and lose it than never have it? And I was like, yes. And he's like, that's not true, right? Just like him being willing to just say, no, like you're not in energetic alignment with the things that you're saying and say it so plainly and just call me to the mat, right? And make me look at myself. Like that feels like love to me as a client. I was being very resistant with one of my mentors recently in a conversation. She was trying to have me do an exercise and my little smarty pants ass was like, I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. Here's why I'm opposed to that. I don't like that concept. Y'all, I can be difficult. I'm telling you, I, in my coaching certification for every technique that we learned, we had to write a paper and we would get these questions and we'd have to write papers about them and you couldn't move on from the module unless you wrote and turned in the paper and had it reviewed by a master coach. Um, you couldn't opt out of anything. I would write papers about why I couldn't answer the question because I didn't agree with how the question was phrased. I don't know why I'm like this. Yes, I do. I'm neurodivergent. But like, I sometimes am just so a persnickety about things and am so philosophically opposed you know for somebody who's so woo I am a skeptic I'm also a Jew right so like if you know anything about Jewish cultural tradition like our most basic tenet is question everything question your rabbis questions your question your parents question God question authority question your government why why do we do this why do we pray like this why do we think this why 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 that's why Jews will debate you about anything they will debate you down it's like how we show love ask the questions interrogate yourself as a spiritual tenet I am an interrogator. I am a skeptic. I do not take things at face value. And my sweet mentor was trying to have me do this exercise and my smarty pants ass was coming up with, I don't like that. I don't do that. I, this, here's why. And, and she just laid into me and was like, 
If you want to keep doing things the way that you've been doing them and you're happy with the results you're getting, I can hang up right now and we don't have to be here. But you asked me for my help and I'm bringing this to you for a reason. I'm not new to this. I'm not bringing you something I don't, I've never done before. I'm not bringing you something I've only done a couple times. I'm bringing you something I know works that I've done many times with many people that many other people have done many times that I know has weight. And I'm asking you to do this for a reason. So if you don't want my help, I don't have to be here. But if you want my help, you should do this exercise with me. And I understand and I hear that you've done this before, but you've never done it with me. And so it's different this time because I'm here. When you've done it alone, you were alone. Now I'm here and I'm not leaving you and we're doing this together. So what do you want to do? And I sat there like a little kid who just got put on timeout, but she was right. Also, I'm allowed to shut the fuck up sometimes and just do an exercise. Like I don't need to tell people why I'm opposed to things. I was just feeling resistant, right? I was digging my heels in and to notice the parts of me that are so protective of parts of myself. I was like, I don't want to get in there. I don't want you to dig right there. uh Uh-uh, that's a tender spot. And to have her be like, why are we here? Why are we on this call? And I need that kind of love especially as somebody who's a fucking smarty pants and a skeptic. I need someone to just smack me sometimes, emotionally. And I also know that that's part of why I seek mentorship. It's part of why I seek personal development with someone I respect and trust. And it's why I hope you do too. Because Letting somebody look under the hood of our stuff doesn't always feel good in the moment. And when you have a good coach and a good mentor, you're going to have uncomfortable conversations. And I want to put to you, right, and again, nuance, don't find yourself in a high control group or something because you're in a cult with a narcissistic leader or whatever, right? Like don't let people talk you out of your inner knowing and you don't want to get in an abusive situation. You have to really trust the person. But like if you've never had an uncomfortable moment in coaching, if you've never had a coach or a mentor be like, hey, this thing that you're talking about right now is some bullshit. You don't believe it and I don't believe it. This thing that you're doing isn't working for you. Your resistance in this moment is not working for you. This pattern that you're in is a pattern. Let's look at it. I've heard you say that before. Let's get into what this means. Here's the overarching thing that I've observed in working with you. And now I'm able to see you well enough to point it out, right? Like if you've never had a conversation with a mentor where you felt so naked that you were like, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to quit. I'm going to slam my laptop shut. I'm going to hang up the phone. And then I had to sit there and be like, no, you're right. Right? Like not you're being abusive. Not I can tell everything in my body is telling me you're wrong. Right? Like not that because we know the difference. Or hopefully we know the difference. But like this is uncomfortable because you're right about me. This is you seeing the stuff I don't see. This is the blind spot being exposed. This is me waking up to realize that it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. And you see it and I feel so vulnerable in this moment 
of being seen. And all I can do is sit here and be like, damn, you're fucking right. Shit. And after it hurts, you're like, well, now the real work gets to start. Now I actually know what I'm working on. Now I have a new area to approach this problem from. And I might really finally get different results this time because I couldn't see this on my own. Or I thought I knew myself so well, right? Kind of looping this all back together. I've done so much personal growth work. I've done so much introspection. I've done so much journaling. I think I know myself so well. I think I'm so on point. I think, you know, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've done this. I've done that. I know what works for me and what doesn't. Well, then, bitch, why are you paying for help? I also feel like this is where we get into that thing between like the difference between doing work in a group and having a one-on-one mentor there's a lot of great things that you can do in a group but if you've been doing group work for a long time and group classes and stuff like that for a long time and you've plateaued it's probably time for one-on-one with somebody you really trust who can really get under the hood who can really get to know you intimately. And just like in physical training, right? Like you can take group X classes over and over and over again, but if you hit a plateau and you go work with a really good personal trainer and suddenly they're like, oh, it's because of this. Like here's why your your strength gains have stopped. Here's why your flexibility is limited. Here's the impingement. Here's the misalignment. Here's the chain. Here's the thing you don't see. And they give you some very simple corrections and all of a sudden you start making strides again. That's why you go into that next level of support. So what's my point after I've rambled at you for an hour I guess my point is (laughs) it doesn't always have to feel good to do it real growth frequently doesn't feel great in the doing of it now sometimes it does and those days are lovely but like not every day is like a stand and deliver day sometimes it's the like training montage and you're just sweaty and crying (laughs) um yeah I'm gonna wrap this up here I think I said all the things that I had to say this was a ride for me as well and I hope that it was valuable for you and um you know leave a comment let me know you can like you can share you should you can subscribe you can check me out now over on youtube at intuitive edge coaching uh you can join my email list I'm gonna leave uh that in the show notes and um If you would like me to get under your hood, that sounded dirty. Uh, If you'd like me to spiritually spank you, that also sounds dirty. No, mm -mm, no. If you're ready to move out of group work and into one-on-one stuff and you want some one-on-one stuff with me, nope, still sounds dirty. Y'all, I got to get off of this thing. Here's what I'm saying. I have five coaching spots open for 2024. If you are interested in working together with me, I would love to work with you. Uh, The 2024 coaching package is called Best Year Yet. When you opt into Best Year Yet, you get 12 months of coaching with me. It is three coaching calls a month, Voxer support in between, access to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven, everything that's inside there, every single class or event or masterclass or workshop or whatever I teach all year is included. Um... 
is there anything else that's included that I'm not thinking of? Probably, I don't know, it's a lot of stuff. Um, it is available right now. If you opt in during the month of November, that's where we are right now as I'm recording this, you will get December coaching for free. So you get 13 months, it's a baker's dozen, and you will also unlock a 13 month payment plan. You also secure the 2023 rate in 20 and 24. Yes, no, in December of 2023, for 2024. Uh, in December, the price goes up to the 2024 rate. The price is gonna go up by $5,000 in December. So if you would like to talk about taking one of these spots, I highly recommend that you book a call now. I will go ahead and put the link for that in the show notes. Booking a call does not obligate you to anything. We're just gonna talk and see if we wanna spend a year together under the hood, as it were. Um, so there's that. The other thing that's going to be open in 2024 is the Body Love Book Club. Uh, for those of you who have been around a while, you may remember Body Love Lab. It is one of my OG programs that uh, I ran from 2017 through 2018, 2019, four times. And it is a very deep work for anyone who is looking to heal their relationship with their body in a really profound way to make your relationship with your body one that is rooted in romance and intimacy with yourself whatever that means and looks like for you and it is coming back in 2024 in a brand new program format called body love book club um every month you will get a chapter uh, a pillar of body love to focus on it has journal prompts and activities for you to do uh and then we will have a once a month discussion group where we talk about um the activities and anything that's coming up for us as we do the work and then there will be a private group where we are all having discussions about what we're discovering what's unfolding for us as we do the work it's going to be really special and really sweet and i'm very very excited to be bringing this work back i think it's very important and i'm really interested in doing it uh in a post-pandemic no we're still in the pandemic but you know what i mean uh things have changed a lot since the last time i did body love lab work for a lot of us and so i'm very excited to be doing this work again and body love book club is 22 dollars a month for 12 months or 222 for the year uh if you opt in in november um and the price for that is going up to $33 a month or $333 for the year in December. So both of those things are things that you might want to opt into right now. And I will leave the links for both of them in the show notes. Okay. Is that everything I have for you? I think that's everything I have for you. Thank you for sticking it out and listening to this whole thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, okay. Love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time. So many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at intuitive edge coaching. Have a great day.